The Global Voices podcast is a series presented by Global Voices Theatre. The company engages with the writers behind their popular live events who are based all over the world. In this series, we explore wider social and political contexts, enabling stories to cross borders and bringing people closer together. You are listening to the inaugural Global Voices podcast series, Global Black Voices, hosted by me, Abigail Sewell. Global Black Voices. Interviews. Global Black Voices. Today, I'm joined by Maxwell Odoyebua. With an MFA in playwriting from the University of Ghana, Legon, and over five years' experience in playwriting, Maxwell has a unique way of engaging pertinent social issues in his plays in order to entertain, educate, and spur readers and audiences into action. Some of his plays include I'm So Happy I Could Just Shit, Sorry Ever After, Daddy Wanted, and I Love Him But, which we discussed today. Hello, Maxwell. Hi, Abigail. So in your bio, it specifies that you are currently living in Tema. Could you please tell us a little bit about Tema? All right, Tema is a, a harbour city, very close to uh, Accra, which is the capital city of Ghana. Uh, in Tema, there are several industries that are operating. So there are several people who work in those industries. But for me, uh, since I teach and um, the university I teach at uh, is in the next city, that's Accra. So I live with my family, then uh, often use the road, then go and teach and come back. So Tema is cool, very bustling. You have so, so many people around, uh, big marketplace. Um, people come in and out to buy and to send it to the hinterlands. And how about the theatre scene? Do you like, because you mentioned that you travel into Accra. Is that, is the most of the theatre happening in Accra? Yes, yes. When it comes to most of the theatre, it happens in Accra. Um, mainly at the National Theatre. Then on campus at University of Ghana, Legon. That's, the, that's because um, that, those are the two places where you would find easy access to uh, theatre spaces. That's the auditorium, theatre auditorium. So the National Theatre is available. If you have the money, you can book for the space. Then you can uh, put off your show or performance. Then, of course, you have um, the ETS Drama Studio, that's the Ifwa Theodora Sutherland Drama Studio on campus at University of Ghana, Legon, which is also open to the public. And you can hire the auditorium over there and also put up your performances. Yes, so most of the theater productions happen in Accra. In Tema, there's hardly uh, a theater, so to speak, that has been constructed in Tema. But of course, you have other auditoriums where you have certain stages which can be used uh, to stage performances. But most often, theatre performances happen in Accra. So, so hold on. So I can just go to National Theatre Ghana and pay money and put my play on? Yes. They, they, they have an itinerary, and they have um, times and spaces which are available. So once you go there and you ask them, OK, you have a production, you want to put it on stage, then they'll show you the itinerary, the free days. If you're able to pay for it, then you can put your production on stage. But when it comes to uh, marketing, when it comes to publicity, you have to do everything by yourself to get your audience. Mm. You have to do everything. They are just providing you the space. And you have to hire the lights because they just provide the space. I, I learned for the people who hire the police, you have to get your lighting and everything, the sound and all that. Those are additional uh, things that you have to hire. So it's just a building. Exactly. So they are giving you the space. So the, they, 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 of course, they have these accessories, but it comes at a charge as well. 
So once you pay for all those ones, you have access to all those ones. If you have your own stuff that you want to bring in, your sound equipment, whatever, if you can fit it in and it will work for you, that's fine. You can do that. If not, you can get to hire what they have, all right, and use it or complement it with what you also have that you can bring. So that's what happens. So once you get the money, once you have the money, it means you can put up production, but it's only you have to check the available days that are there. Do you know if it's like really expensive and so it becomes like really high risk because you have to market it and get the money back? Actually, that is what it is. Um, actually, that's what it is. So you, you would hardly find so many up and coming artists uh, putting up their productions at the National Theatre. Sometimes you have a few graduates who come together to form a production house and they, they often put their place on stage. But when you talk to them backstage, sometimes they'll tell you they break even. Sometimes they are unable to break even because you have to pay your cast, you have to pay for the space and what have you, and other things that go into production when you are putting up a play. So often it's a high risk venture, actually. But if you're lucky and you get some sponsors, it helps. It's such a different process here. Like to get <laughs> to get a play on at National Theatre. So like we'll have like an artistic director like of each theatre who programmes this season. So they, yeah, it's like, it's totally on there. But obviously like, there's so many writers who are trying to get their plays on. So usually they'll either be like a pre-existing relationship or um, the writer will be like, maybe they trained at the theatre. So they've got like a relationship there in that way. But I'm, imagine like me just like ring, ring, <laughs> calling up National Theatre and putting a play on is totally unheard of. Well, then it's that difficult at your end. Over here, it's not like that. It's all about getting the money, the funds. Once you have the money and the dates available are good for you, then you are good to go. So when I'm ready to come over to Ghana to work, you're going to show me the ropes? Oh, of course. Of course. Sweet. Okay, cool. Honestly, that is all just so, so fascinating to me. So I'm going to just share a little bit about I Love Him But okay. um, before we get into it. Sure. So about I Love Him But. Jesse and Aquia have to separate as a couple because of Jesse's alleged infidelity. Mercy, their only child, is about to get married and a queer will not allow Jesse to play his role as father during the traditional marriage ceremony. Their friends, Nehemiah and Abba, are facing a similar situation as a warring couple. Abba, however, has decided to fight for the love of her husband. Will marriage prevail? Honestly, in this case, marriage should not prevail. I just want anyone listening to this to know that if you are ABBA in this in your in your marriage you do not have to fight for the love of your husband first and foremost if your husband is trifling it is not your responsibility to fight shall we start there Maxwell of course we can Abigail we can start from there uh, so it's, it's a beauty that's that, that's beauty of life and how people view life all right. If you check out uh, the relationship, what is happening between Abba and Niyama in their marital relationship is something that um, honestly and uh, from so many people would say it's so annoying for Abba to be tolerating um, the attitude of uh, Niyama. Niyama is someone who is cheating and he's proud about it. He's telling uh, Abba, the wife, about it and letting her know he's even being honest to, to her. You know, there are several people who are doing it and they are not saying it. So he's cheating and he's saying it. So he's being honest. But Abba is someone who's seen her marriage as something that she has to fight for. It's worth fighting for. Fight for your love. Sometimes even before you get married, you get to listen to people. You listen to their love stories. They will always tell you it's matters of the heart. 
So um, it depends on the viewpoints that they look at their situation, even when you're giving them objective analysis of what you think or suggestions as to what you think they should do. But ultimately, it lies on them. So I create this character who has that kind of intrinsic uh, motivation to fight for what is her own, what belongs to her, in spite of all the challenges she's facing. That is Abba. So you lot listening can't see my face. Maxwell can, and he can see that I look physically sick right now just hearing this. And, and I want to know, as a man, why you chose to write these female characters who are fighting for their love rather than it being a focus on Nehemiah fighting for his wife? Okay. So uh, I was trying to write something that um, some people would obviously be upset. That's actually, as a playwright, what you seek to do. You seek to continue this discussion even after you are done with the play. Something to So you wanted up. to upset me? Yes. You wanted to provoke me? Exactly. You want to provoke okay, the thought so of people? Okay, so that's why you're smiling right now. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's the purpose. You want to provoke, um, you know, um, thoughts in terms of people discussing your play even when they are done watching, even when they are done reading. You want them to be asking themselves questions. And actually, that's how human beings are like. You can't get everybody acting in the same direction, in the same way, even in spite of the situation that happened to them, all right? We, uh, you and I can happen, can happen together, same situation happening to us, but our reactions may be different. And that's the beauty of life. And sometimes we have to just take a look at how people react to certain situations, in spite of what looks as if that is the straight road they should use as a reaction, yet they wouldn't. So, so I'm wondering whether it's like in part like cultural differences of like the the role or expectation of like a woman in a relationship like you know would would you expect a woman to like fight not not you personally but like i guess like societal expectations like is it frowned upon if like do you, do you know what i'm getting at yeah i really get what you're saying culturally uh, especially over here in ghana it looks like when you get married you have to stick to it you have to stay in it even when it's hot, when the kitchen is hot, you don't leave. You have to stay in it, stick up to it. So sometimes even when you try using counselors or when you try talking to even external family members, which we really have, do have over here, you'd, you'd realize that the, usually the first advice and suggestions they are giving to you is that of abstaining, trying to solve the situation. And possibly when it is becoming worse, they suggest maybe separation, not divorce. You are not divorced, but just separating so that uh, the issues could be resolved uh, one after the other, as in individually before the two of you would come back together. So sometimes culturally it looks as if you have to really stick to it, even when the kitchen is hot in terms of the relationship you are in, you have to try and stick to it. You have to try and see its full course. If it runs its full course and doesn't go well, and often that's what is so bad uh, with another play that I have, Sorry Ever After, where uh, the lady actually decides to report the husband. It's also similar. So this is contrasting in terms of uh, the female characters in I love him better than that. Of, uh, sorry about that. That's so interesting because that makes so much sense. Honestly, it's so it's so interesting because a play can just travel, right? You know, you can write your play in Ghana. I can read it in England, like wherever. But it's always going to be interpreted so differently based on our own like biases and our exactly. own like cultural understandings. But I I wondered why uh, the the friend married couple, Jesse and Aquia, were still married. They'd been separated, I think it was like five years. Yes. I was like, sis. But even when they got back together, I was like, 
I, I don't want to spoil the play for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think that contextually makes a lot of sense, like what you said about separations. Exactly. Something that uh, personally that I've seen before, uh, I knew of a couple when I was a kid who were separated. Actually, when I was a kid, I thought they were divorced. Later, when I grew up, I, I, I later heard they were separated. They were not divorced. So man living at a different place, the woman living at a different place. They don't get together as married couples and what have you, but they, they, they just there. But unfortunate part of that real story that I experienced is that when they tried to come together after so long, for this, I think it's, it was well over eight years, almost 10 years. When they tried getting together, there was a, a motor accident that a woman had, and the woman unfortunately passed. So they couldn't come back together as married couples, or to stay together, I should say, because they were just separated. They were couples, but separated. They were not living together in the same matrimonial home. So uh, I sought to possibly paint such a picture because often when you're writing, you get other aspects of you, your experiences and what have you flowing through. All right. So I think that's what flowed through in terms of uh, what uh, happens between Equia and Jesse. So when people are separated, like, are they seeing other people? I'm like, or is that just a personal choice or is it expected for them to be faithful? It's actually expected, especially when it comes to uh, religious setting, those who are so uh, religious, let me see. It's expected you are supposed to be remain faithful. Actually, that's what will force you back together. Because if you are supposed to remain faithful, it means you, 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 can't, you, you can't engage in any sexual activities with anybody else whilst you're separated. So once you can't do that, it means you are forced to look back at the situation that caused the separation in the first place. And possibly, uh, if everybody is at the extreme ends in terms of what um, he, she is demanding, you're able to come to the middle ground so that you can come back together as married couple, live together, and do what married couples do. So when you separate, actually, you're not supposed to do anything in terms of uh, infidelity, in terms of, you know, sexually uh, being attached to another person. You're not supposed to do that. It's only you're not living within the same building. That's all. Right? You're supposed to live, um, you know, without any sexual attachment to anybody. Okay. Well, I, I know I've asked you to share an extract of I Love Him, but, but before you do that, I'm actually going to read an extract. Okay. Because I need everybody listening to understand my issue with the female characters in this play. Anyone listen to this, just all the spoiler alert because I'm skipping straight to the end here. So when Nehemiah's young bit on the side comes at the end and tries to assault his wife, he then realizes that he actually wants to be with his wife because, and this is quote, because, well, I just realized how true my wife loved me when she stood up to my ex-girlfriend and didn't even insult me when the kids were around. That is why he wanted to cut off his bit on the side. That's point number one. There are so many points where I just wanted to just fight that character. When Akria asks her friend Abba why she's putting up with her trifling husband, Abba says, I consider my marriage a project. It is not a finished product yet. So day in, day out, I'll encounter a challenge or better still, I'll have to perform certain duties I never thought I should. That has helped me to manage my man in spite of his attitude. I must be frank that I am the cause sometimes, only that he fails to tell me, but rather reacts negatively. I am saying, as women, we have to acknowledge it when we are genuinely to blame and help our men to stop the behaviour of negative reaction by pointing them to the love they have for us. 
Do you believe that? I actually do. I actually do. I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping that you didn't believe it and that you were just writing it. So you believe that if a man's cheating, that a woman has to stop and look at herself and be like, oh, what have I done wrong to create this negative reaction from him? No, 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 that is not exactly what the question meant. The question meant, uh, you are looking at it in a, its entirety, that sometimes women also are to blame for what happens to their man. You can hear stories where some people, if you re remember um, in the play, Ab Abba was, um, no, it was Niyama complaining to Abba of the sex fast that he was experiencing. Okay, so some women would actually um, play the devil's advocates and watch on and lead on. So when the husband start cheating, they forget that sometimes they did certain things that caused their husband to also leave. I want us to be very objective in looking at this, that she withheld the, the man, her, her husband, all right, from um, having access to her in terms of um, having sex, okay? And once you do that, usually men often will get frustrated and they'll try to, you know, um, find a different ways of, you know, getting off. And that obviously, or sometimes leads to them cheating, basically, all right? So it's, it's up to you as a woman, I'm going to draw the attention to the fact that if the man is doing something that's causing you to deny him, you have to address it, you have to let him know, you have to tell him to his face. You don't deny him of something else and, you, and based on the thing you're denying, the man will also use that and also do something worse than what he started with. And that's actually what I was trying to paint with that particular reading or that particular statement that Abba was making to the uh, queer, all right? So you have to look at things holistically. Sometimes um, try to also see the fact that when someone is doing something evil against you, you can also cast your mind back and look at things properly. Could it be you, you started something that actually you didn't notice? That's all that I was trying to paint with that particular um, statement that Abba made. So let's be very objective. Let's, be, let's look at things holistically, but in terms of the fact that when someone is cheating, you honestly have to still pursue the person and try to find, uh, necessarily find the good out of the person. But look back and find out when he started, why did he start cheating? What caused it? Sometimes genuinely it's not the woman's fault. If it's not your fault, you know it's not your fault. If you think the person can usually, in when people are in love, they believe they can help others change. If you think you can go that route, then you can go that route and try it. If it doesn't happen, then you leave. In my other play, you would find out of another woman who tried staying and it became like a cycle. It's actually on domestic violence. So she was actually experiencing violence, not just emotionally, but physically. Unlike what was happening to Abba, which was more of emotional, all right? But um, she was facing physical violence on top of emotional um, abuse that she, she was getting from the husband. However, for her, she tried staying. It didn't work out. And she decided to report the case. She decided to report to the appropriate institution. All right. So that's what happens to that. So I wanted to paint another flip side of what happens sometimes if people decide to stick it out and try to work it out. Sometimes it do work out. That's actually, it may be a small percentage, but sometimes it can work out. I think it's probably not worth us getting into um, whether a woman needs to look at herself when a man is cheating, because I think that we could just get into that and really get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just, we've each stated our separate opinions and let's move on. 
I'll, I'll, um, I would have loved for us to look at that because I'm someone who actually advocates for uh, women's rights strongly and passionately. No wonder possibly you are a little bit angry with these female characters in this particular play. Okay, all my siblings are females. My biological siblings are all female and I'm the last and I'm the male. Okay, so I often appreciate comments from women. I often appreciate women in terms of what they do and all that. But sometimes I want to also play a little uh, devil's advocate sometimes, okay? It's not often that I they have to go. Advocate. It's, not it's always... like, uh -huh. why? What is the need for a devil? Do you know what? <laughs> you know what? So, no, but your point there actually is, yeah, is, is what I wanted to talk about next because I, I want to talk about, like, the why behind you writing these plays because, um, you know, when, when I read the play, I looked you up a bit and I was and I saw that you wrote like an essay on domestic violence. And I was like, OK, maybe this man isn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he does care about women a bit. And so like when when you're writing, is it like, well, this play, was it like pure entertainment value? Is there a, like, do you want, are you trying to say this is wrong? I, or are you just giving it to the audience and leaving it open to them to like interpret? This play actually came up, um, I was commissioned and I was, I, I was asked and tasked to write something for Father's Day, actually. The male do play a, a dominant role in terms of how things should go. Actually, that's a plot outline. So the added layer I, I, I sought to add to it was the Niyama and Abba bits, all right? So that it doesn't become one trajectory only about Equia and Jesse. Okay, so I added the Niyama and Abba bits. And like I said, it's almost like opposite of something I wrote during my, um, the essay you read about on domestic violence. I wrote a play that's attached to that essay. If you check it out, you'll find out that play. Sorry about that. It's attached to that essay. All right, so I have a play on that. So I wrote this particular play, one to provoke my audience. Actually, I often like to provoke people. It starts right from my play titles, all through sometimes how I discuss the pertinent issues in there. Sometimes I discuss it in a way that will provoke you to also come out to speak about it, so that it causes that kind of reaction, so that we begin to think about that particular issue, discuss, engage ourselves, to realize whether indeed there are still people out there, women out there who still continue to do this. And is it really right? And actually, is it working for people? Can actually people, other, others also seek to try and use that route? Will it really work out for them? So that's something, something that actually is on my mind whenever I'm discussing any pertinent issue in my place. All right, so I seek to arouse that kind of interest in my audience, my readers, so that even when they are done, they can't still rest their mind from issues that they read in the play, so that they continue to think about it, they continue to find how best they can also help out in terms of what is happening within their society in relation to the issues that they read in my play. And why such a strong focus on the female characters? Because the the like interestingly, all the husbands and the, like the fiance in this play, they're actually and the uncle as well. They're kind of side characters to the women. It's very much like cent centered on the women's sphere. I think it's pointing out to the fact that um, I have a strong background in terms of um, women's support in my life. Like I was saying, um, all my siblings are biological siblings. They are all females. So I do appreciate how they actually guided me in terms of my upkeep, in terms of going to school, in terms of their suggestions to me, in terms of their advices and all that. Women are such strong characters in, I believe, everybody's life. That's my personal opinion, I hope. So in writing this particular play, although I, I said earlier on that I was commissioned to write for um, uh, Father's Day, 
but actually you could tell from the play that the focus was on women. I wanted to highlight the fact that although it's Father's Day, but women do play a very huge role in a father's life. And for a father to be successful, for a father to play roles that society even uh, expects of a father, a woman should also give consent. So you realize within the play that Ikea had to allow Jesse to play his fatherly role so that the marriage, the traditional marriage ceremony of Mercy, their child, their only child, would be able to take place successfully. Yeah, so I wanted to highlight that kind of thing. And I'm not sure like how, how much you've shared this play, but does it tend to get like reactions like mine? How do people receive it? Uh, unfortunately, I've not shared this play so much. Um, recently, only last year, I, I was sharing it in one of my classes. I, I happened to get a new class on language center where I'm training people how to also speak uh, the English language, take English as a second language, especially the Francophone neighbors in Ghana. Ghana is surrounded by uh, countries who speak French. So some of the students sometimes do come to Ghana to come and learn French and pursue their uh, tertiary education in Ghana. So uh, I put it out there, but since they are newer to English, so they really can't give out a, any ideas. So I'm yet to actually give it to uh, a criticism class, maybe play analysis and interpretation class who can actually dissect and for me to really listen to criticism as to how I wrote it and how they feel about it. So this is the very first time I'm having this kind of vibe and I'm actually excited about it because it means I've actually achieved a purpose of why I write some of my plays. The fact that I want my readers and the audience, if they happen to watch the play on stage, to actually be still thinking, leave thinking about it, leave trying to see whether they can be a change. They can be actually different. That is, if the character is doing something that is wrong, they can be actually different. It's, it's interesting, though, because I think like generally and historically the way men have written female characters they they often are so 2d and their entire focus is around men and romance um often they actually have much smaller roles than these women um but i think in a way i often assume and i think many people do as well that men who write women like that view women like that but i'm hearing from you that we should let you off the hook <laughs> because you're trying to provoke is that what you're saying that's actually what i'm saying and um it is indeed it's true that sometimes when we are analyzing people's play and what have you um and actually as a playwright when i was learning playwriting uh, how to write they'll tell you when you're writing sometimes aspects of you also seep through into your play but you have to be intentional about it, okay? So it could be true that sometimes uh, we come to a conclusion that men who write like that about women, sometimes that's actually how they think about women or how they relate to women or, and all that. But sometimes too, it could be what I'm telling you is actually intentional. We want to provoke the system. We want to provoke women to actually come and rise up, write about it, speak against it, because actually that's what's happening in society. And unfortunately, when women are leading the front, people see them as negative, people call them feminists. Yeah, they, 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 they have something in Ghana where they call pepe them. It looks as if women are trying to, you know, show pepe, something like that in relationship to I their- I the song. Uh-huh, uh-huh, so something like that. <laughs> so, but sometimes you see, you have to provoke the women folk. You have to even provoke society, not only women, but also the men folk to also look at things like, really, should a woman actually be acting like this always? Is it fun? Will you enjoy it? So sometimes you have to provoke people. And actually for me, that's my viewpoint because strongly I advocate for women. Many of my plays are actually women-centered. 
even with sorry ever after which you've not read and but i want to believe after the interview you try and search it out on the essay it's attached to the essay try and read you realize that you have strong women characters still there i'm gonna take your word <laughs> please do i'm gonna take please your do. word um cool do you want to share the extract that you've selected which which bit have you chosen i'll go to the very first um page of uh i love him but and read um a few dialogue that happens between um the the two lovers or couple i should say correctly niyama and abba that's what i want to read so the opening scene actually the opening scene that sets the stage and set the tone for the play i'll just read the first page it has some um ghanian words and afterwards i'll try and explain it so that you would uh, better appreciate and understand what's happening Right, so I'm reading the stage directions. If you have the play, you can just follow along as I read the very opening um, page of the play. So I read. The scene opens in the sitting room of Niyama. The place is exquisitely decorated to match the taste of any middle-class Ghanaian. Niyama is seated and happily chatting on his cell phone. He's wearing a t-shirt over James' trouser. Niyama speaking. Hello, baby. Yes. I miss you too, like how scarce chicken are during Christmas. You know, I won't lie to you. Don't mind her. You are my inkuto in my Hamatan marriage. I will soon offload her. Cash a bay, you cry. Abba enters from the kitchen on the blind side of Niyama and listens attentively to her husband. Abba is wearing an apron over her African print dress. She shakes her head in dismay, disgust, and anger at what her husband is saying over the phone. Niyama continues. She's in the kitchen. Well, try share butter if those expensive creams are not working. I will personally make sure you, she stops wearing those devilish nails. Oh yes, she has turned into a marijata. She can't do you focal, yes. Okay, me too. Abba clears her throat and Niyama quickly disconnects the phone call. Oh, my sweetest, cutest, prettiest, why marijata? Just say it. Oh, why? Niyama, is that what you tell your numerous girlfriends? Abba, I only have one girlfriend, and you think that is something to beat your chest about? At least men are guilty of having more than one girlfriend. Sir, really? Oh, yes. And you must even be proud that I have been bold enough to tell you. Niyama, most men can't master courage to say it, yet they do it first class. I want to end the reading here. So um, this very first reading opens up with uh, a couple, obviously, who are fighting. You find a husband who is cheating over the phone. He's using certain words, which, um, like I said earlier, are account words which can only be appreciated by people who are, who've experienced the culture and who understands it. He's telling um, the fiance that he's having, the lady she, he's cheating with, that um, the marriage he's experiencing, Niyama, is likened to the Hamatan season in Ghana is the dry season, where people's lips can go dry and what have you if you don't have uh, enough uh, oils and enough uh, pomade to use. All right, so he's likening his marriage to the dry season. The, that's why he used the Hamatan marriage. So meaning he's not really enjoying the marriage that he's in and telling the lady she's like that pomade 
the pomade that is often recommended during such a season in Ghana is what we call inkuto. That's what he said, that you are my inkuto in, in my Hamatan marriage. We're trying to tell the lady that actually you are the one who is sustaining me, who is actually uh, making me endure, be able to endure my marriage. So we're trying to um, lead the lady on. And also informing the lady that the wife that he is married to, Niyama is married to, that's Abba, referred to Mar uh, Abba as Marijata. Marijata is a term that is commonly used in Ghana. And it's actually used to refer to a woman who actually displays manly attributes in terms of trying to abuse someone. All right. So when they tell you you are a marijata in Ghana, it's actually not a good compliment. That's why when Abba um, listens to that and plays her truths, and Nyama tries to sweet talk her by using sweetest, cutest, all some of these very nice words, she quickly says, marijata, just say it, because that's what you've been telling people behind my back. And she's headed, so she's so angry. So it just veers you into straight into conflicts that's happening within um, the marriage. That's how it starts. So it starts with this conflict. So you begin to think about actually what is really happening. Why is the man complaining he's experiencing a Hamatan marriage and what have you? All right. So that's it about this particular excerpt from I Love Him Back. Do you know what? Maxwell aside, I just want any woman, any person listening to this to know that if you are being cheated on have been cheated on you are not to blame and that you are deserving of love you are whole you do not need another person to complete you to add value to you or your life i understand there can be practical complications of leaving someone, but don't ever question yourself. I really I agree more with you, Abigail, on this particular point. Actually, that is what it is. I don't yeah, you can't believe it. <laughs> this is me now talking, okay? I couldn't agree more with you. You hit it right on the nail. And most often, you know, women will have this kind of uh, complex issues, sometimes questioning their own decision when they are the ones feeling the brunt in terms of what is happening in the relationship. So sometimes you've got to look at yourself. It's like a mirror of the stage. That's actually what it does, please. So just look at what a woman is doing. Are you pleased with it? But when you happen to find yourself in such a situation, you, you, you lie to yourself and say, it's matters of the heart. You know, I have feelings for him. You know, I love him. He says he loves me. Yet he's hurting you. Don't you want to address it? These are some of, that's why I say, I'm, I actually want to provoke my audience and my readers. So you, you, you think beyond, you look beyond what is happening. And it's actually happening in society. For all you know, someone will hear this, will try and check out the play, will try and get it and read it, and the person will realize you can see someone else in the play. You actually see people who actually act like uh, Abba, okay, who try to save their relationship in spite of what is happening, as if they are the cause, yet they are not. So I want women to actually look at it to provoke them. So they sit back and sometimes think through the complexities of the situation that they're experiencing, especially in relationship, so that they can actually be bold enough to stick to their decision and actually exercise that. What was interesting is that we, there's actually, I know we've spoken mostly uh, about ABBA and Nehemiah, but there are obviously, with that we've touched on, there are three relationships. Uh, there's also Jesse and Aquia who are married and separated. Um, and then we also have mercy and god's way yes. who are engaged yes. um yeah and i guess we what you present are three different stages to 
marriage um and yeah they all have a different trajectory we obviously don't know what direction they're going in but why did you want there to be a happy ending for Nehemiah and for Abba uh actually I thought of a happy ending to this um like I was saying earlier um the other play which I wrote actually doesn't have a happy ending the one that got to do with the domestic violence it doesn't have a happy ending so I, I was thinking of writing this other play not actually as a sequel to that but actually discussing similar issues, but however, the ending being different. The fact that sometimes you can take certain decisions, it may not be popular. Sometimes uh, it will be a hard route to take, but mm, you may be lucky. It may end well. And in the play, it ended well for Abba and Niyama. Um, That's the couple that we're having issues with in terms of how the woman dealt with um, her marital problem and issues. Okay, so sometimes you may take certain decisions. It may not be the most popular in terms of what people would look at and all that, but sometimes it can end up happily for you. You may end up and it may work for you. So it's not that because Abba chose something that is unpopular, but for her it worked in the place. So with yours that you are taking in real life, it could be you are walking out of the relationship. Stand by it. Once you stand by that decision, I'm telling you, it can also work out very well for you. You may end up in a better relationship. You may end up in a better job. Your career can even take a very, um, um, not a nosedive, but something that will turn you on, will take you on and on and on and on. So I want us to stick to certain decisions, certain things that we believe in, work at it, and often we'll be able to come out stronger, we'll be able to come out with success. See, and I think that's why, that's where we, we just hard disagree because I think like absolutely yes you can overcome cheating and yeah I think I think that to be honest I think personally the way I view it is that there's a difference between like physical cheating and emotional long-term affairs um but like you know the neither are okay but I just think the intent behind it and also the calculated like it, it, it's it's a it's a special kind of deceit that you thought about it wasn't an accident in the moment you played this out over time and i think what's not going to change the cheating may stop but what's not going to change is the disrespect Myanmar is a disrespectful man and he will continue to disrespect his wife his wife in various ways and so that I think that's why I struggle with the happy ending because it's like, okay, this side thing is out of the door um, after she physically assaulted his wife. Um, but there's no that like, I think I think it gives it gives a nod to this happiness that I don't think. Well, do you know what happiness is exactly. subjective, isn't it? Abba clearly, Abba clearly is okay with this and so maybe maybe that's her happiness well that that's so true our world view of so many things that happen to us are actually subjective okay so what happens to us how we make deductions out of it and our reactions to um such situations usually will be from the subjective point of view even in spite of the suggestions and what have you that uh, may be around that that we can have access to but ultimately it's it, it lies on us to take the ultimate decision the final decision something that can actually help us and see us through so in the place since it's a one act it looks as if it's, um, some of the situations were not well developed throughout okay is a one act it's supposed to be a one act something around 30 minutes uh, maximum maybe 40 minutes if it drags on stage 
So uh, you realize that some of the situations were not actually properly uh, well developed. It may be something that I have to look at maybe into the future, trying to develop it into a full length play, maybe blow it up fully so that uh, maybe I can get to provoke my audience the more or get to give certain background stories uh, so that we get to appreciate some of the decisions that um, the characters took. Yes. Sweet. Cool. I'd love to hear the next extract that you have as well. Yes. So the next extract I have is from a play I wrote earlier. Um, I wrote this play in 2014. It's titled Sorry Ever After. All right. So I'm reading scene four and it's actually only a monologue, a monologue from the, um, the main character, Vanessa, who happens to be um, the wife of Bright. Bright is the character or the husband of Vanessa. And he is the one who is abusing Vanessa and emotionally and uh, physically abusing her. So um, this monologue actually would capture the moment in terms of what actually Vanessa is feeling about what she's experiencing in her marriage. And it gives a little backstory as to why uh, I think she settled for Bright, the husband. And, and it will also provide insight for readers and also for audience when they get uh, a hold of the play and perform it to appreciate why some people get to stay too long in abusive relationships. All right, so I, uh, I take the monologue from Vanessa. My father in heaven, I don't know how to say this, but did you really create humans to marry? I can't help but think whether people genuinely experience happy marriages. Could it not be that they are all a bunch of liars? I thought marriage was the best thing that could happen to anybody, especially me. But, well, I guess I'm very wrong. I love Quisi with all my heart, yet he doesn't return my love. I always try my possible best to please him, even if I am uncomfortable, but he never appreciates it. He only remembers the bad that I do to him as if I'm not capable of any good. I've said all the prayers there is to say, but my plight worsens by the day. I must confess that I'm tired of praying to you about this, God. I'm tired of having to stay away from work because my husband has been beating me. I'm tired of hiding the scars of the brutality under heavy makeups and lies. I'm tired of keeping true to the marriage vow when I know he doesn't. I'm sick of living in the same room with him. Maybe I have to listen to prudence and leave my matrimonial home. After all, I won't lose anything if I walk away. No, no. He can find me out wherever I go and maybe kill me. Yes, because he's so heartless when he's very angry. He can be competent in carrying out the worst evil. I have to find another way of preventing him from harming me again. Oh, what should I do with this domestic dictator? I know counselors and family won't be of any help because I've tried them, not once, but a couple of times, and it yielded no positive results. Well, I think it's time to report him to the, the bright best open. So that's the end of the monologue I'm reading from Sorry Ever After. Thank you. So from, so from this monologue, obviously it's clear, you can tell the character who is in um, a lot of trouble in her marital relationship, her matrimonial home, 
and the fact that she's got to deal with abuse, living with it, and can't know how to deal with it, although she's getting help from a certain character the, whose name is mentioned by name Prudence, okay, who has been offering her that emotional support and offering her suggestions as to what to do, what decisions she should take. But up until now, it looks as if she's not listening. She hasn't been listening, but it looks as if she now wants to actually report to um, the unit in the uh, police service who take charge of domestic violence. That's actually what he wants to, she wants to do. And anyone listening can find this play online? Yes. Cool. Okay. Well, you hear that, everybody. You have a task to venture and find sorry ever after. <laughs> lovely. Um, it's been so lovely talking to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for having me, Abigail. <laughs> it's been lovely also discussing my place with you. Yeah, likewise. Um, I'm, it's really lovely to hear that you're not a monster and you're not chauvinistic. I'm not one. I can't be. I can't force myself to be one. I can't. Cool. I have so many important women who played several roles in my life. And uh, actually, when I look at women, I see them as strong people who we can look out for, for support, for everything, actually. Great, because we're anti-misogynist. Exactly, I am. I'm one, I'm one. Great. Well, a big thank you to Maxwell for offering his time today and giving an insight into what motivates him as a playwright. The Global Black Voices series is hosted by myself, Abigail Sewell, edited by Tony Alani Pekin, and produced by the Global Voices Theatre team. Global Black Voices is funded by the National Lottery Community Fund. To hear more about the work of Global Voices Theatre, visit globalvoicestheatre.com or follow them on Twitter for news and updates at Global Voices Theatre. Global Black Voices Theatre. Global Black Voices.